Hey guys, today's interview with Bradley Davis of Podchaser is really interesting. He started Podchaser, which is like the IMDb for podcasts, by posting on Reddit. He found his co-founders on there. He went and then raised some seed capital from Kentucky horse farmers. And then he went and got venture capital from Greycraft. We talk about all the, the little twists and turns in there, almost running out of money. It's a pretty fascinating tale, lots of good insights. If you like this content, please leave us a review on the iTunes app store. If you leave us a nice review, email us at info at foundersuite.com and I will send you a list of 230 VC investors who do not require a warm intro. This list includes their contact information. So it's a great way to start off your fundraising. Leave us a nice review in iTunes, email us info at foundersuite.com and I'll send you this list. For now, sit back, enjoy the show. Welcome to How I Raised It. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today I have Bradley Davis of Podchaser coming to us from Oklahoma City. How's it going there? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? pretty good what i've never been to oklahoma city what's uh how big is it what's the, the scene oklahoma city is the second largest city in the contiguous united states uh or third depending on if you count wyoming um so it's like jacksonville florida and then oklahoma city um in landmass to be clear <laughs> so oh. not in population Juneau, alaska i believe is number one but nobody really lives there so um, yeah, it's a huge city and it's got, it's got over a million people, um, and growing pretty quickly. Oh, interesting. Is that where you're from? No, <laughs> I am from, I was born in Florida, uh, but I grew up in Indiana. So I kind of identify as a Hoosier. And then I spent, uh, about three years in Louisville, Kentucky. And then I moved here just, uh, just over six months ago. What brought you there? Um, it's a great question. Uh, um, many different things. So I do on the side, I do some real estate so uh, with Airbnb properties. And I, so I'm always interested in cities that I think have opportunity to grow a lot. Um, certainly with the size of OKC, that's, that's the case here. The population growth here is, is double the national average, which is exciting. Huh. And then, um, I just think that I like a lot of the the hustle that OKC has, the fact hmm. that they got the Thunder team and NBA team to Oklahoma is pretty pretty impressive and shows that uh, the city is ambitious and kind of on the rise. So I've always I've always tried to be in places to where I could have some impact yeah. uh, and and some uh, part of the journey in in a growth, just like a startup, like just being there as early as possible is exciting to me while places like New York, San Francisco are, are wonderful places to be. I can't move the move the needle at all. Yeah. So I, I was like, that's no fun. So I, I chose Oklahoma city. Interesting. Very interesting. I really don't know much about it. I feel kind of uh, malinformed or uninformed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a much cooler place than people think for sure. Interesting. Cool. Good. All right. Well, we could talk about that, but let's get to what you guys do. What is what is Podchaser? Yeah. So, Podchaser is 
the easiest way to describe it's like IMDb for podcasts. So we developed the industry's first credit system, meaning, you know, on this, on this interview, you are the host, I am the guest. Um, so collecting that kind of data and giving the crowd the ability to source that data for us has been the goal. Uh, we also do ratings and reviews and really the, the vision of Podchaser and what we're building towards it just being that information source for what you want for anything. So how popular is the podcast? How do you get a hold of the podcast? Is the podcast any good? Um, where's the podcast based? What language do they speak? Just any sort of metadata that you can imagine mm-hmm. about, about a single podcast, we try to collect or our crowd collects for us. And that really aids in uh, search and discovery for the industry. And that was my next question. Is that the ultimate uh, kind of goal is to be the, uh, the search and discovery, the, the discovery hub for good content? Yes. Um, though, though it's not necessarily our goal to be the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more our goal to produce the data to make all destinations much better. So to have that, that base layer of metadata for other platforms to utilize, to enhance their search and discovery, and then for our destination, we think that on podchaser.com, we can become a really great community resource um, to cultivate a relationship between a podcaster and a listener, um, for podcast listeners to congregate, to find each other, to find tastemakers, to find um, critics, and to find that sort of sense of community. That's a big focus of ours this year. So yeah, we, we, really, we really rely on our users to... Uh, do the lifting for us. They, they're the ones that listen to the podcast and mm-hmm. tell us if it's good or not. And then tell us if we like this one, we you'll also like one that's similar to it. So yeah, it's kind of the, kind of the goal. So, so like listeners are, are, is it better to spend their time adding metadata to your site or to be leaving reviews on iTunes or Spotify? Like, you know, how do you kind of carve away that, that attention so to speak. The utility for Podchaser is it's much more selfish mm-hmm. um, from a listener perspective. So people uh, use our platform to organize and to um, collate between podcasts. Uh, and then that helps aid their, their listening journey on Apple or Spotify or wherever else they want to be. Uh, we usually attract power users, just how you see them on IMDb or Letterboxd um, or Goodreads. You don't read a book on Goodreads. You use Goodreads to organize um, your your thought process, your notes, your lists, and then buy the book. Um, so, so yeah. As far as reviews goes, uh, iTunes is a, a good place to leave a review. But the the beauty of Podchaser is that if you're a podcaster, you can leave a review on Podchaser from any platform, any device, any operating system. It doesn't matter. So there's more people that can leave reviews, and then. You can actually reply to reviews in Podchaser as well. Mm. So say you get a bad review and you want to say something about it, or you get a great review and you want to thank that person. Um, we're the only platform that you can do that on as well. Oh, interesting. So a very selfish question here. We, with Power Raised It podcast, I feel like we we find interesting people, we record some interesting content, we throw it out there into the universe, but we do almost nothing beyond that to promote or drive any engagement any like what would you be your three tips or suggestions for you know podcasters like us who are sort of amateur hacks at this to uh to either do a better job getting the word out or driving awareness or discovery anything 
number one production um by far if you chop things up um add narrative uh just clean up the audio pass yep. it to a pass it to a um editing house or, or production house you, you can you can do that uh in an affordable manner too you can pay um an editor or uh, somebody can master the audio for for not that much money that's a huge lift um number two would be seo um using your episode titles, your show notes, the name of your podcast as um, keywords for Google searches. And then I'd also say to niche down as much as possible. Um, like I think that's smart that you guys are doing specifically looking at funding as, as a kind of uh, cross section of startups. Startup is a, the startup word is very busy, very competitive. So looking at specific facets of it is really smart. Um, I probably have a hundred more tips, but those are really the big ones. And, and a lot of people don't do any of those things. So I, yeah. I highly recommend doing those things. That's good. No, that's good. And for, for it, Pug, and now here's your chance to, to pitch us or the other podcasters in the audience, you know, for, for podcasters, what's the value prop for pod chaser? Is there something we should be coming on and, and doing and, and, uh, engaging and paying you money or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. So you should definitely be claiming your podcast and adding tags, adding categories, um, to make it as easy as possible to find your show on pod chaser or through a Google search. We have a very mm -hmm. strong SEO presence in podcasting. Um, I also would say that adding credits to your show is huge. Um, so like you guys had the, uh, uh, CEO of Patreon. Um, he did not have a credit like that. He should have a credit so that when people are searching for him and looking for his interviews, they find you. And then those credits show up in other platforms as well. Mm. Um, so crediting people is it's easy. It's, it's fast. Um, and it's just a great way for people to find you. And, um, and yeah, just, uh, encouraging, you know, why not encourage your listeners to leave you a review? <laughs> like if it's good, um, people want to leave good feedback. I also would say, I always encourage people to make lists on Podchaser. Uh, this is a really great SEO strategy. So like if you Google like the best episodes of Joe Rogan or the best podcast about XYZ, we generally show up on the first page of Google. So if you want to talk about, you know, the best podcast about fundraising, and actually spend time making a really great list and adding notes and adding sections and including your own. Um, as long as, as long as it's a good list, uh, the, the kind of shameless self-plugging I think is okay and acceptable, especially if you're proud of what you're, you're building. So yeah, there's, there's probably 20 more ways I, I'm not thinking about, but it's all free. Um, we, we don't charge podcasters any money today at all for anything. So um, yeah, there's, all kinds of ways to do that. There's, I think there's an article that we wrote that's like 25 billion ways to grow your podcast on Podchaser. Um, mm, interesting. I'll check that out. Basically come in, claim, claim our podcast, add tags, add credits, credits, adding credits is just literally just typing in the people who are on the show. Yep. Things like that. Cool. Very good. Now let's go to the quick backstory on this. What were you doing before this? Why'd you start this business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to school for psychology. I wanted to be a therapist. I am not a therapist. Uh, I did counseling for a year. It was awful. Um, and it was, it didn't pay any money. And, and by the way, I think, I think, uh, mental health is a huge problem and I think it needs, uh, good people. But for me, 
um, it was just such a low paying job that nobody like it was tough. So anyway, mm-hmm. I got into sales. I was in industrial sales for a few years in the Midwest, um, selling anything from electrical supply to lighting, commercial lighting, packaging, flexible, uh, intermediate bulk containers, bunch of weird stuff that no one's ever heard of. And as I was doing that, I was listening to podcasts. Um, so started really falling in love with podcasts. I think the, the ability to hear um, knowledge like right in your ear is without any sort of like corporate PR filter is great, especially if it's long form. So I fell in love with podcasting. I was looking on the internet for Podchaser, like for a mm. community to where I could like dig in more and find more shows and, and yeah. get feedback and find credits and I couldn't find it. So I posted on Reddit on the podcast subreddit and I just asked the question like, Hey, um, does this exist? If not, does anybody want to build it with me? And that's how I found my co-founder. Um, he's in Melbourne, Australia. His name's Ben. And we still have never met in real life, which well. is bonkers and kind of the rest is history. So it really all started from the classic, like scratch your own itch sort of situation. I don't recommend Reddit as a co-founder sourcing tool. Uh, <laughs> I think it's not probably the best way to do it, but I had, I really had no network, no like ties to um, any sort of startup or any sort of developers. And so it worked for me. That's amazing. That's great. Very cool. And then, all right, let's, so you, you, met up with your co-founder, you guys had something, maybe uh, advanced the story to when it was time to go raise money. How'd you know it was time to go raise some money? Yeah, I think I'll spend a little time on, on like the tactical pieces behind sourcing founders. Um, yeah, sure. So there were like 15 people that were wanting to be founders from mm-hmm. the Reddit post. And I think that what we did was we basically all dated each other. So mm. we <laughs> podcaster started on a Google doc and we just started writing out ideas. And then I had a certain vision in my head and Ben had a certain vision in his head and about five other people had a different vision. And in my opinion, they were really bad. So <laughs> we would look at how people would start highlighting sections of kind of this vision that I laid out. Um, And I would read through the comments. I'm like, oh, this person has really bad ideas. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it was very important for us to not formalize anything for as long as possible. That way it was a a loose dating sort of situation because Ben and I I are going to work together for probably five to 10 years. Like that's marriage. Like it it really is. And so um, it became very clear to me that that Ben specifically and I had uh, really similar visions and really similar outlooks. And then also I think the initial founding team, you want, you want to find a group, whether it's two, we have four. Mm -hmm. Um, you want to find a group that can build the thing, uh, with no money. So that's a great, uh, it's a great litmus test by the way, to say, Hey, do you want to work on something for a year and get paid nothing and potentially never get paid anything at all? Um, people who say yes to that are, 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 are probably people that you want to work with. So after that, um, we just started bootstrapping Podchaser. I think that for us, we wanted to show traction. Yeah. Um, we we uh, went viral a few times on Reddit. Reddit has done uh, very well for me. 
Um, in fact, they just mailed me a bunch of swag because they heard about our story and oh, they're cool. like, Hey, like we love your story. Like we, we, we love the support. So by the way, they just doubled their valuation. Um, they? they just raised like quarter million dollars. So it's amazing. Anyway, um, how much of those Wall Street bets? Right? Uh, oh, I, I mean, that got them into the kind of zeit, zeitgeist of the internet. Like right. that broke through. I, I think that definitely had to do with it. So um, we built out like a alpha. Um, we, another tactical thing, we made it very private, secretive, mm. and like you had to get an invite key. And every mm. time someone signed up, we'd email them three keys mm. um, to invite their friends. That definitely worked. It didn't work forever, but it worked for the initial yeah. few thousand users. And then I was like, oh, shoot, like, I think this is a thing. I should, I should learn more about what to do next. So I reached out to the former head of revenue at IMBB uh, mm. on LinkedIn. And by the way, I hate LinkedIn, but it provides a ton of value. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I messaged him and I was like, hey, uh, and I hate myself for this. I was like, can I pick your brain? Mm-hmm. Which is such a cliche now. And he's like, sure. And he, he gets all kinds of um, inbound like this. And so I just started asking him questions like, how big is IMDb? How does IMDb make money? Can this happen in podcasting? Why has it not happened in podcasting yet? What do you think? And just asking him all the questions that I had. And I've always found it very useful to find somebody who's several steps ahead of you sure. to make it to where I don't fall into a bunch of holes and, and make a bunch of silly mistakes. So Mm -hmm. he became an advisor to the company, gave him a little bit of uh, equity. And I then started fundraising. So I was in Louisville, Kentucky. I did, I don't think I knew what what VC stood for at the time. Um, (laughs) And I didn't understand really the VC model at all. Um, So started listening to podcasts and, and learning about it. And again, getting with founders who were step several steps ahead of me asking for their advice. Um, the advice I got was, uh, don't do a price round for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So we, we ended up raising half a million dollars, um, with a safe note, mainly from Louisville angels, mm. um, which people would call family and friends round. I think that phrase needs to be thrown in the trash because I don't have any family or friends that would write me a $25,000 check. Yeah. So they were angels. Um, and I mean, literally like one of our investors, one of his horses won the Derby. And I, <laughs> I emailed him the day after I'm like, congrats. So are you, are you going to invest in Podchaser? That's uh, great. You mailed me a check. So uh, for me, it was, it was just like my sales job. It was knocking on the door all day long and getting told no 99.99% of the time, especially because in Louisville, it's not a hotbed for podcast tech companies. Um, it's much more focused on bourbon and, and equestrian things and mm-hmm. so I what was there an angel group in in Louisville or were you going on LinkedIn again to find these people? There was or an what? angel group. I pitched them. They all said no. Um, I basically, and this is something I think is important, and I wish cities did this better. I try to map the ecosystem in my head. So I tried to figure out, okay, if I talk to this person and they mentioned five people, how do I then get to those five people? And who are the, who are the, uh, what I call like super angels? Like if that person writes a check, everybody else writes a check. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was cold emailing, cold calling. I met with basically the chamber 
And I'm like, hey, I'm this moron and I want to raise money. And they're like, oh, well, you should try Kickstarter. Mm. Um, <laughs> and like, oh, poor baby, like you're not going to do this in Louisville. So <laughs> I actually, though, that person eventually introduced me to um, a state ran fund. Um, mm. and they ended up putting some money in and then they were the ones that I asked the question, like, who are the angels here? And they told me the angels and I just started reaching out. Um, I would say that cold outreach, I want to be careful here. Mm. Cold outreach did not work at all. Um, however, cold outreach that resulted in warm introductions. Um, all of my introductions came initially from cold outreach. That's how I got every single dollar for Podchaser. Connect the dots there. So you're, you're cold reaching out to angels. To develop, to develop a relationship. Yes. So I would reach out to whether it's the chamber of commerce or whether it's to an angel or whether it's to an associate at a, at a VC firm, whatever, uh, developing a relationship with, with that person or persons and then having them introduce you to the person that writes the check. That is, that is to me, if, if, I, if I look at our cap table, I can draw a line between the very first person and literally every single person. They all came from introductions. Yeah. Uh, maybe with the exception of a hundred grand, like maybe. Um, so that was, that's been eye opening for me. Once you find the right person, they will then introduce you to five other angels who then know five VCs who know five other angels. And then it just goes, 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 goes. And then they're talking at a cocktail dinner about, you know, podcasts like, Oh, pod chaser. Um, and then I get a call and, and then we get another hundred grand or whatever into the round. So I think that I think that um, cold outreach is a, a skill that's very, very important. But I would, for fundraising, I would suggest using cold outreach as a means to develop relationships within an ecosystem to then ask for introductions. Um, yeah, because you got to get the conversation started somewhere, somehow. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. And for me, I'd had, I did not go to Ivy League schools. I did not have a built-in network. My uncle doesn't, is not the COO of Disney. So like, I had to start from literally nothing. So that's my advice there. So yeah, we raised a uh, half a million dollars um, and it let, it gave us the ability to, I, I, another thing, I didn't, I didn't go full-time after that. I was still um, working a full-time job um, as long as possible. For me, I felt very guilty taking a salary because I, I wanted that money. I wanted to be a good steward of the money and I wanted that money to not be drained by my salary. So to me, if I could keep, keep things afloat, if I could pay the developers full-time to build the thing and, um, make sure it was getting traction. Uh, I don't think I went full-time. I didn't go full-time until we raised our second round. Mm. Um, so that gave us, I think that 500,000 lasted for about maybe 15, 16 months ish. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, we raised an institutional round. Um, and, that that round came to me. Um, that okay. was a cold, cold inbound to me from Hyde Park. How much was this one? How much was that? That was 1.6 million. Okay. So that so was Hyde our Park. like seed, pre-seed seed kind of round. That was the first time we had like a real uh, fund uh, in, into Podchaser. So with the Hyde Park, they reached out to you. Did you use that? Uh, interest to then spin up a bunch of other investors or did you just go down this path with with Hyde Park and how long did it take and all that good stuff 
Yeah, it, it was really a grind. Um, so yeah, certainly it helped to have a, a name to drum up interest. Uh, but even though we had a, a quote lead, it's, it's really a chicken and egg thing because it took us a while to get the term sheet. And then we had to uh, get a certain threshold of interest um, from other investors before anybody would pull the trigger. So like uh, sometimes VCs will say you have to raise a minimum of X dollars before we put the money in. So we had to get that. We had to get up to that threshold before, you know, we could close. So it was, uh, it took a lot longer than I expected uh, just because we got like the, the golden goose, right? Like the, the term sheet from a VC, just because that happened doesn't mean that it's all like easy from, from then on out. So it got to the point where uh, between the 500,000 round and the like 1.6 to where we ran out of money, which is every CEO's nightmare. And I had to get a loan from one of our angel investors and my accountant uh, oh, wow. to, to bridge payroll. Cause I, I, I felt so I, that's probably the, probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life. Um, I had, all these developers and employees that, that took a risk on me and on Podchaser, and the idea of saying like, Oh, by the way, you don't, you don't get a paycheck. I mean, these people have kids, they, they yeah. have mouths to feed. That was awful. It's a very good motivator. So I got those loans, um, which was probably pretty stupid and, and it closed. Uh, we got it, we got it together. Uh, we had one fund come in and, uh, at the very, very last minute I got, I got breakfast with him and I'm like, I basically told him like, you've got me, like we, we need this or we're not gonna be able to close this round. So well, did he use that to, to get crazy good terms or anything? Cause that is a lot of leverage on, on that investor's side, you know? Yeah. And I, I think, I think he was very ethical in that, you know, somebody had already set terms. Okay. To be to be honest, everyone that invested in that round got a great deal. So I think I think he knew that, and um, yeah, we were able to put the round together and ended up with a great group that ended up uh, they all ended up putting more money into the previous round. Um, but yeah, I think that a lot of lessons learned there. Uh, start fundraising way way earlier than you can you would imagine, and also. Don't fundraise when your runway's running low. Fundraise when you're doing well. Yeah. Uh, fundraise when you're killing it. And like that's that's really the position you want to be in because otherwise, um, I mean, this is a business. Like VCs are like, oh, they've got three months of runway. They have no other term sheets. Let's drain them. Like let's, let's put them to the very, very bottom and let's get the terms that we want. Like that's that's how it works. And it's yeah. not some like, they're not like your best friend, you know, it's to me, I love VCs and investors, but it's, it's certainly a business and it's not some like la la land to where they're going to give you a hundred million dollar valuation for some great idea. Like it's just, it doesn't really happen. So yeah, I think that was a really great learning experience. And for me, it traumatized me so much that I became extremely um, cognizant of of runway and burn and modeling that out and, and making sure that we were never in a position to where we had no leverage. And, and just to recap that round, that 1.6, you got 
Hyde Park comes in inbound, they put down term sheet that's, hey, we'll invest this amount, but you've got to bring in X amount. Uh, did they do half the round? And then they, they said, you got to fill out the, the other half with other investors. Is that kind of how it works? They, so basically they, the round was 1.6. They said, you got to have, but you have to get to a million um, for us to close. That's the minimum. And so between, between um, Hyde Park, uh, they basically co-led okay. the round with mm. High Alpha. Um, so it was kind of a co-lead because because to be to be honest like we were a risky investment and uh we were not necessarily in the wheelhouse of these funds that are much more focused on like pure b2b SaaS. Mm. We, we're more of a consumer play and so i think they de-risked themselves a bit by co-leading the round with another fund and then um yeah the the the, the vcs took essentially half of the round and then i had to fill it up with you know horse owners and random people that I found on the street. Horse owners, I love it. Yeah, yeah. no, we had that similar situation where we had a VC say, we'll do half, but you got to bring the other half from other parties. And and yeah, it's hard. And we had our term sheet, I had an extra extension on the term sheet because it was expiring. I hadn't filled out the other half. Yep. Didn't have to go as far as getting a bridge loan, but it's it's really intense to have that pressure. So yeah, that's why I want to drill yes. into that just a little bit more. Definitely. Interesting. Very good. Um, so let's keep going then. So now you're, you've, you've lived through that. You survived much more cog- cognizant of runway and burn rate. So now when do you start thinking about the most recent round and, and tell the story of putting that together? Yeah. So basically things started working. Like we started being able to make crucial hires. Like our, our development, our development team was definitely under resource. So we were able to really staff up keep building Podchaser, kept building momentum. And, you know, we were in a board meeting and uh, they're like, oh, you're doing great. Like, are you going to put, put it around together? Like, you know, we'll, we'll back you. Like, let's do this. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, well, um, we had not even burned half our money um, at the time, but it, it was clear, like, especially with podcasting, like the timing was so important, I think yeah. because the space is, is very hot. And um, we were starting to do some great partnerships, bringing in some real revenue, uh, quadrupling our, our growth um, in a short period of time. So I, I was on the phone with one of our angel investors and I'm like, Hey, you know, I think things are going well. Like, what do you think about fundraising? And he's like, have you talked to Graycroft? And I'm like, yeah, I did talk to Graycroft. Uh, I was in New York during the $1.6 million raise with my co-founder desperately knocking on doors of every VC and to beg for money. Um, and Greg Croft, we had, we had a meeting with them and it just didn't go anywhere. It was a very short meeting and we're like, they'll never give us money. Like we're, we're the worst, we're terrible. And so this angel investor I was on the phone with was like, I'll introduce you to, um, I'll, I'll put a good word in. He, he knew one of the partners and it got on Alan Patrickoff's radar and uh, Alan, um, this is kind of his, his uh, sweet spot is, is podcasting. So I think it was within like 24 hours. I had a, I had put my Calendly into an email thread or something and um, Alan Patrickoff booked time. And I was like, that's not right. It can't be, there's no way the founder of Graycroft is. Uh-huh. And, um, sure enough, it was Alan 
And, you know, I told him the story and I told him, you know, I think, I think this is going to really take off and things are all the metrics are lined up. And he basically cut me off and was like, you know, do you want a term sheet? And I was like, <laughs> love it. What? Like in my mind, thinking, this is on a, uh, sorry, a zoom or a, a live on zoom. It's on a zoom call. Um, I was just thinking like, this is crazy. Like this is a joke or I'm like, he's just saying that. And so I was like, it's like, Alan, well, um, yes, I would love a term sheet from Graycroft. Um, I respect the fund a lot. They've made some really great investments into the, the space. They're really the best investor in the world for Podchaser. So um, no pitch deck, uh, no materials. Uh, we closed a $4 million round in uh, 40 days. Wow. Yeah. Cr- crazy. Uh, the, the polar opposite of the story, the previous race, just the polar opposite. So, and, and what do you think that is just finding the right person at the right time in your sort of evolution and traction and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, luck, yeah. but luck, I, I totally, I totally agree with the sentiment that luck is the your luck increases as your persistence continues. And so, yeah, we were very persistent, very persistent culturally as a company. And so I think that as we kept trying and experimenting, and I I totally think that if you have enough smart people in a room to figure out an idea, and if you're given enough time, you'll figure it out. And so we figured out a lot of things with Podchaser um, in a pretty short span of time. And, and yeah, I think that um, it was a timing thing. So like, our, our numbers looked better than ever. And we were not in a position to where we were going to round of money in, you know, two weeks. So we had, we didn't need to raise money necessarily. Um, so I think that helped a lot. I think VCs love when you say you don't need their money and they want to give you money more than ever. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it all kind of, uh, lined up, um, really well. And then, uh, yes, Graycroft's, uh, that was much more to where, you know, with a Graycroft term sheet, it was much easier to uh, open doors. And uh, we, we turned away a lot of capital, which was uh, wild because mm-hmm. again, I just, just a year earlier, I was begging, getting a loan from my accountant. I yeah. was at, a, I was at a, a restaurant in Louisville, Kentucky, and he, he got a wrinkled check out of his back pocket <laughs> and wrote me a check for $20,000 to cover payroll. So, yeah. um, so yeah, uh, totally opposite. I think, again, I think a big thing there is to, um, raise when things are going well, not when you, not when you just need money. And then also like to be able to tell a story, like, you know, this is going to be big. Like this is, this is working. Here are the metrics. Like if we, if we just capitalize this properly, it's going to take off. So, yeah, it was a pretty wild contrast between the two rounds. That's awesome. Um, did you have to you get this term sheet? Did you have to, oh, how do I spin it or message it to your your bourbon and horse owners? Like, hey, you know, because they might want to not be diluted, right? They're, they're, I'm just maybe stereotyping or generalizing that maybe those type of angels, you know, don't want this thing to, to, raise lots of venture capital so that they get diluted. Was there any messaging you had to do there? Or are they just all thumbs up? Um, 
there was no messaging like that at all. No. Everyone was thrilled because they're diluting, but the value of the company was much, much higher. And so their, their yeah. stake was higher. And then it's a, it's a much better um, path for their investment to go forward. So I, I was a little, little bit afraid of that. And also, also, I think, I think one thing is that uh, there just wasn't room for angels. Like there, there was a little bit like a, a tiny sliver, but the, this is definitely a, a largely institutional round. And so before it was like, yeah, of course, I'd love to have you put in 50 K or whatever, but this time it's like, I, I can't like, and that, that kind of sucks. So I think there was a little bit of that to where I had to get ahead of that a little bit to talk mm. to the angels and say like, listen, like, I know you've invested in both of our rounds, but on this one, like, I, I just can't do anything for you. Um, yeah. So there was a little bit of communication there, but for the most part, I think they were all thrilled to death to, to uh, kind of stay on the ride with, with a name like Greycroft. Yeah, that's killer. And, and then another sort of tangent, but once you get the term sheet from, from Greycroft, you know, did you do some cold outreach to other investors to fill out that round or did Greycroft make a lot of intros or, you know, was there anything, any insights on just filling out the round once you get a term sheet? I think what helped us was that on the previous round, we had three um, funds in it. And then because, you know, when a fund writes a check, they're expecting to write subsequent checks and yeah. they, they allocate a certain amount of capital towards that. So um, really just with internal money, um, we were fine. Um, okay, cool. But, but yes, uh, then we, then it was more of a matter of, of uh, you know, we have this covered but who can we add to the table that's going to really help here? And so, yes, Greycroft definitely helped a lot, introduce us to some great funds and some, to great, some great people who um, contributed to the fund. And it was my job to, to keep uh, existing investors happy, give them um, a proper allocation, but probably not as much as they wanted, um, and also to get more people involved because my entire job, my entire goal is to um, put the right people in the right place to make politics success, successful. And so that meant for this round to add some people, yeah. that, some, some awesome people around the table. Do you want to name drop anyone? Or um, Yeah, I think it's all public. So Advance of Capital, um, Powerhouse Capital, Lightshed Ventures. Um, we're, we're kind of the new, the new money into the round. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I won't keep you too long. You've got a business to run. Any, um, any other just tips or tactics or, as I always ask, advice you would give your younger self if you were doing this all over again? I think um, I always say I wish I would have met me today, five years ago. Um, so with that said, I think, I think tapping founders is a great, a great way to get to investors as well. I should have mentioned that. I think mm. generally especially a founder that's well-liked if they're telling their investor, Hey, this, this person's going to be great. They'll, they'll listen. Um, so I think that's one, one piece of advice that it was helpful for me is always, always just talking to as many people as possible. I'm, I'm honestly, I honestly, um, kind of hate like networking and like, I hate that game. But, um, it, when I look back at the success that we've had with, with fundraising, it all came from just like, having that 30 minute phone call with this random person that reached out or like taking that. If someone's like, Hey, should I introduce you to um, so-and-so that has nothing to do with podcasting? Just say yes. Um, mm. I mean, the worst case scenario is that you waste 30 minutes. Like, so to me, I really had to change my mindset. Cause I, I was like, I want to build my company. I don't want to talk to people like, oh, this is a waste yeah. of my time. 
but uh, I was completely wrong. Like I, I think that um, if I, if I were to like fill up my day with 15 minute phone calls with all of my investors and all of my partners and just did that all day, uh, like maybe we would have raised $10 million. I, I don't know. Like it, it's just, it unlocks all these paths that you can't possibly all keep mm. in your head mm-hmm. uh, because they're, you're, you're unlocking other people's networks and then just keeping top of mind is how you get mentioned at the cocktail party with a billionaire. Like that's yeah. just how it works. So yeah. Um, and it's yeah, cool. it's really hard. I, it's for me. Um, like if you're on Twitter and LinkedIn and you, somebody raises a billion dollars and like, if you look up the ages of the Brex founders who are like 12 years old, comparison um, is certainly the thief of joy. Like, like staying away from that has been important for me because, you know, everyone's got a different path and it's okay. Some startups take 20 years, some take 18 months. And like, those are the ones that take 18 months to sell for a billion dollars are, are the exception to the rule. Absolutely. So that has been important for me is to, um, try to not compare myself to all of the amazing founders out there yeah. um, and to try to have more of a, to change my mindset to like, instead of saying, well, well, how did they do that? Like, that's not fair to like, well, if they could do that, I could do that. Um, sure. so yeah, I'm sure, I don't know if that's off the top of my head, random things that I've kind of thought of. Don't run out of money. That's good advice. <laughs> don't run out of money. It's yeah, simple advice, but pretty important. And you know, understanding your your runway and burn rate really critical. Definitely. So you don't have to take that loan from your accountant. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. Well, if people want to learn more, uh, podchaser.com, right? Yep. And uh, anything you want to promote or plug while we have you here? Um, um, yeah, go to podchaser.com and make an account. It's free. Um, follow me. My username is B just the letter B. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Podchaser. We have a very bizarre, um, but I think a pretty good Twitter if you're interested in podcasting. Okay. Um, so definitely check that out and connect with me on LinkedIn for networking opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> you said that so sincerely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, unless LinkedIn. You're, unless you're trying to sell me staffing solutions, please don't. Don't connect with me. <laughs> LinkedIn. I could have a whole conversation about LinkedIn. I we're on it a lot, but it is noisy for sure. It's um, yeah. awful, but it's very powerful. But the content, the the way that content works on LinkedIn, is so anti-human. It's like this horrible robotic, like manipulative, awful algorithm. But just connecting with people and seeing what they've done and who they're connected to super powerful yeah 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 we do a lot of content on there and we figured out some of the little algorithms so it's it's actually been pretty effective for us whereas other channels like twitter i can't seem to get anything going on (laughs) so twitter stuff but anyway thank you bradley this is awesome so much good stuff here um i can't wait to i'm gonna get probably to be totally blunt i'm probably gonna get my uh my intern getting on there claiming our name tagging us edit adding all the the credits and stuff like that probably won't be me but we're gonna definitely get on there and and claim our our space on pod chaser so great let me know if you need anything awesome thank you so much we'll catch you after your next round appreciate it all right thanks bye over now